0: And I have the honor of having my beautiful, uh, beautiful wife uh, up here with me today. And we're going to we're gonna tag team this one and talk about really some important things as we wrap up the, the book of Galatians. Um, I, I believe this is the shortest chapter uh, in the book of Galatians, but so much good stuff uh, that we want to pull out of this. And so I'll hand it off to you and you can kind of get us started and where we're going and, and then we'll talk through some of these things. So.
1: I'm going to just pray real quick. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the honor and the privilege to be able to come together to worship you, to open up your word together as a body. Father, we thank you, Lord. I pray that you just be glorified um, to speak through us. And God, I pray, Lord, for eyes and ears and hearts to be open to receive for your revelation, for your word, because we know, Lord, that it is your word that transforms. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name amen amen so today we are we're jumping into the final chapter of Galatians and he had asked me um, to speak and initially I said you're doing such a great job you should just keep it up but um, I am honored to be able to be up here with him and we're actually going to start off in the the last verse of chapter five Um, I found it interesting as I have been reading, you know, each chapter each day, but then this week really just focused in on Galatians 6, and and I was listening to a message, and um, actually listening, and they were saying that actually theologians, um, they actually had said that they believe, I mean, obviously this is the Bible, and it was written as it was written, but it actually... It kind of seems like it would be the first verse of Galatians 6 because of the way he leads us. Um, So we're going to actually start off there because, honestly, I think it's just a great way to start off. Let us not become conceited. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In the New Living Translation, which is up here, uh, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. You know, Tim Keller, he, I was listening to him and he was talking about how as they begin in, um, I thought it was interesting, he pointed out in verse 26 that we're talking about a heart condition that needs to be addressed at a behavioral level but then he also says that this heart condition can only be solved by the gospel, and I, I just found that so interesting, because how often do we go looking around for an earthly solution to what only the gospel can transform, and I'm thankful that we have the gospel, ultimately that we have Jesus, um, that he's the one that transforms, and his word transforms, and, 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 so in verse 26, it's a call to not just think of ourselves, but to consider others well. And then we jump into chapter 6 where it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. And I'm going to pause for a moment because in the um, the CSB version, the Bible that I have right here, I I liked how it worded it, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, those that believe, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. And I just thought that's such a beautiful way. So we're called to restore, to help, gently and humbly help now, verse 2, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So we're obeying the law by sharing each other's burdens. And if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. And I think Paul is just painting such a, a picture for us that, one, we're not too important to help others, but then also to be humble to receive help in times of need. And, and I think either way, it can be easy to become... Um, prideful get caught up in our own life in our own doings and and be one or the other to either not want to receive help or be a giver of the help
0: yeah and it's almost this picture that we we can't take the position that we don't need help but we also can't take the position that that I'm too good to help um, because we're called to to do this together Uh, in verse one you know we're talking about in this spirit of gentleness says those who have fallen into sin we're, we're to help them uh so that they can get back on the right path in their life and I think it really leads into verse two and it made me ask the question why do we do this why why are we called uh what is the point behind um and I think it's because we're called to share each other's burdens he goes right into it and what we would have is verse two he says you know share each other's burdens and in this way uh fulfill or obey the law of Christ and uh the original language, this phrase that instructs us to instructs us to share each other's burdens in the original language, uh, it's this picture of it's to help carry the things that are weighing you down and holding you back from following Jesus. So it's something maybe that you've fallen into, or it's some uh, habit that has been formed in your life, or uh, some sin that maybe has tripped you up. That uh, that we're called to step in and say, you know what? I'm going to help, and I'm going to share. In this burden with you and it's really a picture of if you're carrying to put it in simple terms if you're carrying a hundred pounds and you're struggling with a hundred pounds uh, if I come along and I grab some of that now neither one of us are carrying a hundred pounds we're both only carrying 50 pounds and so we're carrying we're bearing we're sharing each other's burdens and so it's this picture of hey we're called to really link arms and, and do this life together. That's why community is so important. That's why, you know, being in relationship with others is so important. It's why your church family is so important because you have those people around you, hopefully, that can help you and can bear the burden with you. And really, it's a picture of the love, uh, of love as Jesus described it to his disciples. And I think we mentioned this even last week or the week before, uh, but in John 13, 34, and 35, this is what he said. When I think about sharing each other's burdens uh this this scripture comes to my mind so now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other wouldn't you say that loving each other would look like hey I'm gonna we're gonna carry help each other we're gonna carry each other's burdens we're gonna share each other's burdens together just as I have loved you you should love each other your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples what would it look like to the world around you If they see you and you're helping your brothers and your sisters and you're helping carry the load and you have seen that maybe they're struggling in an area of their life right now and you come alongside them to say, hey, how can I help you? How can I help bear this burden and carry this burden with you? And then we jump into and I'll let you read uh, the next three verses, verses four, five and six.
1: Verse four, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. And I thought it was, it was neat how he pointed out in verse 4 that we're told not to compare with one another. It's not, I just look down and I just do what I'm supposed to do. I mean, we're looking, just as he previously told us. He said, bear one another's burdens, right? Help one another, but then focus on what I've called you to do. Because it can get so easy to compare. Well, she's doing this. Well, he's doing that. Well, what's right? What's, you know, what's wrong? And I, I heard this statement that comparison kills compassion. And, man, when we start, I, I thought, how true. Now, I couldn't tell you a verse that would say that. But at the same time, I thought, how often I could compare, and I have no idea what's going on in another person's life. And and so we want to Make sure that we're focused on the job that God has called us to do, on the life he's called us to live, because it's different. Um, and we don't compare to one another because he's given us each something different to walk out. And, and I don't know about you, but I know I've found myself falling into a trap of comparison. And, and sometimes it's, it might be pointing out the flaws in other people. Um, it may be that you, it may make you feel better. Because um, you just say I'm not as bad or we compare sometimes because we're trying to figure out how well we're doing.
0: And I was I w- thinking about that just kind of in that vein for a moment. Um, how many times, if we could just be honest at church, have you have you known like maybe you're not on. I- it's almost like, okay, I know like I'm not following Jesus like I should. But then you start looking around and you think like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. <laughs> and it's really this trap that we fall into where we start comparing instead of comparing instead of comparing how we're living out our life to what God has given us to do and looking at Jesus we start looking around almost to kind of make ourselves feel a little bit better about who we are and how we you know like well I've I've kind of failed but I didn't fail as bad as them you know and so I don't know it just makes me think about how sometimes we fall into that trap and we really don't even realize that we've fallen into that and we're kind of we have our eyes around you know and and we're, we're comparing ourselves and, and comparing what we're doing or what we're not doing to other people uh, for different reasons. So,
1: And I think that often we can even compare where it ends up breeding insecurity because we compare and say, well, they know the word better than I do, so who am I to share or, or whatever. I have a past, so who am I to love on them or whatever. But I just believe like, comparison is such a snare of the enemy that even when you know the scripture tells us that as iron sharpens iron we're called to spur one another on and and how often we can get in a room with people that we're called to be spurred by and quickly fall into a trap of comparing um, our weaknesses to their strengths and that's not what God's called us to so just learning to when I when I find myself comparing to someone else that I'm going to take my eyes off my right or my left and I'm going to look up because when I look up he shows me the way it's what we're called to do it's our responsibility as we look to him then he reminds us no what are you called to what are you called to he he reminds us of that truth
0: and even like as you look at the first six verses together really even just the first four or five um you know he's talking about you know if you see somebody who has stumbled you know gently and humbly help that person get back on the right path and share each other's burdens and and you know don't think you're too important to help someone you know if you think that you're only fooling yourself you're not that important and then he goes into paying attention to your own and it, and it kind of like it's almost like he's going through this and you need to share each other's burdens but don't start comparing you know like in the process of of helping somebody else don't start comparing you know what they've done to what you've done or who they are to who you are like you have to remember. At the same time, we're called to carry each other's burdens, but we also have our individual, you know, callings and purpose that we're living out, and then we have the purpose we're living out collectively um, as believers. And then in in verse six, um, it, it we're instructed to take care of the ones who are teaching and leading us. And I going to be honest. I was I was telling Amanda this last week. I said this is kind of an awkward verse to talk about <laughs> as you sit up here, because uh, but but I think it's important, and and I want to you know even commend um you know the the elders and and people in the church because looking back at verse six he says those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers sharing all good things with him and this isn't the only place that we find this um instruction and so I want to read just a, a couple other places that that go along with this both of these are are things that Paul wrote as well uh, first Corinthians 9 7 through 14 he says what soldier has to pay his own expenses What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruits? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion, or does the law say the same thing? For the law, Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it is written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't you have, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ, which what a perspective. I mean, like Paul's like, you know, above all, even in the midst of this, above all is that the gospel would be preached and we don't even want to be a hindrance. Um, Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the the offerings brought to the temple And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial sacrificial offerings In the same way the Lord offered that those who preach uh, Order that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it Uh, In 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17 and 18 Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching for the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox he's quoting the same verse again to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain and in another place those who work deserve their pay and i just want to say this and then we'll go on to the next few verses um we're thankful for a church that uh that takes this to heart uh, and that takes care of our family and uh and not only that but i was even thinking about this uh, those who preach and those who teach even those that come in and stand you know, on this platform and stand in this pulpit uh, that we're able to be generous to them and, and in, in a way say we thank you and we honor you for investing your time and energy into this word that the Lord has given you that you are going to share with us and, and imparting that into us and so it's just an important thing that uh, man we're just we're so thankful um, for, for a church that believes in this And that uh, does this well, not only for our family, but does this well for even others that come in that are not even a part of this church that are that are giving us the word of God. So uh, the next few verses we're going to look at verses seven through ten.
1: Verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And I looked up the, the word harvest, and it means to collect, to gather. So we're always going to collect or gather what we plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up therefore whenever we have the opportunity we should do good there's that reminder again to do good to everyone especially to those in the family of faith
0: yeah and it's really when you think about these verses it's like a natural law because you know, we would never go out and we would, this this sowing and reaping or you harvest what you plant because we would never go out and plant an apple tree and then get mad that it had apples and didn't have oranges on it, you know, 10 years down the road. We, and like, and I was even jotting out some things like you don't plant, you wouldn't plant corn and then be upset because you didn't get pumpkins. You know, like we just, we intuitively know that whatever we plant that's what we're going to get. And what Paul's saying is it works that way in your life. Not only what you plant in the ground, but the seeds that you plant, that's what you're going to harvest. And I don't know about you. I'm thankful for the grace and the love and the mercy of, of God and what Jesus did for me. Um, but in reality, uh, like this principle is still in place. Like you're going you're gonna to harvest whatever it is that you plant if you plant gossip, you're going to harvest gossip. If you plant negativity, you'll harvest negativity. If you plant encouragement, you'll receive encouragement. If you plant time in the word, time in the Bible, you'll harvest from that time. If you plant to please your own desires, then you're going to harvest a crop, as it says here, of sorrow and decay and evil. But if you plant to please God, then you're going to harvest things like joy and wisdom and everlasting life. Where... like. It's, it's this picture of what kind of seeds am I planting. Because whatever I'm planting, that's what I'm going to get. I can't expect to receive something, uh, to harvest something that I did not plant. So...
1: So we ask ourselves, just what kind of seeds are we planting? When he was talking to me about this, I was like, oh, especially the part about if you plant negativity, you'll harvest negativity. I don't know about you guys, but as as a mom of four, I often have conversations with my kids, and, and Holy Spirit's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, you hearing what you're saying? Um, and I often, you know, and I was having a conversation with, with our kids this last week about just the power of their words, and... Um, Anyways, just just the power of of what we speak, and it's not like some magic thing. But are we speaking negative? Are we speaking death? Are we speaking life? And and I love how verses nine and ten, um, because I can just relate so well. Um, sometimes it's discouraging to do what's right when we're not seeing the results that we would like to. And and I think that often you know the scripture te- tells us to that that we're to test our heart because. Um, we can often, it's easy to, to start giving in some way so that we can get. And that's not what this is about. This isn't about, okay, well, I'm going to plant seeds of, I'm going to tithe consistently for the next four weeks because I need God to come through. That's not how it works. You know, I'm going I'm to plant seeds of, of good deeds so that, because I'm going to need some help. It's, it, we don't We don't give to get. We give because we've been given the grace, the love, the mercy. We give from a place of love. And, and I think that we have to just to check our hearts, our motivation. The seeds we plant, it doesn't always show an immediate harvest. But we, we get the choice to trust God's timing. Um, I, I like how it reminds us to not get tired of doing what's good. And I think that we're reminded of this because there's going to be a period where we've got to keep sowing even when we're not seeing the harvest. And and so we trust God with that timing. We don't give up. We keep doing good. We keep doing what's right. Not good to earn something, but doing what God has asked us to do and trusting him with the rest. And, and I was reminded as we were preparing for this, when we shared... Um, I don't even remember when it was, but just about how the scripture tells us that love never fails and and we talked about how his love is within us. If he if you have accepted him, his love is within you and his love never fails and because his love never fails, he's given us the strength to not give up. Don't give up. So, it maybe you've been praying for your spouse, praying for your marriage and trying to do the right thing and we get to make the choice to stay committed, to trust God with those results. I kept feeling like today specifically there were people that were believing for a wayward child or a family member and that he just kept saying, don't give up, don't give up. Because I believe that you will, we will see a moment, I'm believing for whoever, that even in that prodigal son that you will be able to be the father, whether it's to a sibling, whether it's to a parent even, or to your child that you will find yourself foolishly running in celebration of what God's done. So you keep staying committed and trust God with those results. Maybe it's being faithful at a job that you're not seeing what you want to see. And maybe you've been having conversations with the Lord. I don't know why you have me here. I need you to move me. But just trusting that in the moment you're here, you be faithful where he has you planted. That you've been planting seeds and you haven't seen any fruit from whatever area whatever it is, that you stay committed and trust God with the results. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8 tells us, I planted the seeds in your hearts, as Paul telling us, I planted the seeds in your heart, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to be reminded I am not God, and it is God who makes it grow. So my job is to be faithful and obedient and trust him to make it grow, make whatever do what it needs to do. It's not important who does the planting, he tells us in verse 7, or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own
0: hard work. And I love um, in verse 7, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. There need to be people that plant and need to water. But the picture I get that Paul is saying us is don't make it about you. Like it's not about you who planted or about you who watered. It's that you planted that seed or you watered that seed uh, so that God could make it grow. You were doing his work. and. It's really just to put this in simplest terms, you know. Just summing this up, and then we'll move on to the next few verses. It's almost like Paul is—he challenged the Galatians, and I think he's challenging us. uh, And we could put it this way: He says, "Don't give up. Keep doing good, and trust God with the results. Don't give up. Keep doing good, and trust God with the results. You're not responsible for the results. You don't have to try to, you know, conjure up some result or make something happen. No, you just remain faithful." you remain obedient, you plant the seed, you water the seed, you, you do what it is that you can do, but it's God who makes the seed grow. It's God who, who, who brings that in. And then verses 11 through 13. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciple. And uh, I, I love how, and this isn't the only instance that Paul does this, but where he says, notice what large letters, you ever texted somebody in all caps? <laughs> what was your, your point in texting in all caps? was like, I want you to see, you know, like we'll get messages and they'll say like, you know, important in all caps, you know, or please read in all caps, and Paul, it's almost like this picture of Paul saying, pay attention, like, notice that I am ending this letter in my own handwriting, you know, he's, you no know, maybe been verbally saying it, and somebody else is writing it down for him, but he, like, he grabs the pen and says, I'm gonna write this part down, and he says, notice what big letters I'm using as I write this, and Paul points out that even the people who were trying to force circumcision and these additional things from the law, they weren't even keeping everything in the law themselves. Like they were picking and choosing. They were, well, we need to be all about this, but oh, this, you know, but we're not doing this. He says, even the people that are advocating this stuff, they aren't even keeping the whole law themselves. And I was thinking about this, and it made me think about how sometimes we even try to pick and choose. You ever, you ever tried to pick and choose what you want to apply from God's Word? Anybody? Anybody? You, you just decided, like, I want to be about that, but, eh, (laughs) I don't really like that verse. I don't really like what that says, you know, and just some, some examples, as I was thinking through this, like, we don't like, uh, so it's like, we don't like drunkenness, but we ignore gluttony, So, like, we don't, like, we're going to take a stand against this, but we're going to ignore this part of what's being said. Or, uh, you know, something that, you know, we're, we've talked about and visited um, a place that's that's pretty local uh, that helps human trafficking victims. But I was thinking, like, we stand against, we stand against things and then we forget about, like, human trafficking. Or we forget about, like, children that are being abused or we forget about, it's like we like to pick and choose what what we want to be involved with what we want to apply to our lives what we don't want to apply to our lives and really i i get this picture in my mind that paul's he's saying listen even the ones that are trying to get you to do all that stuff they're not even keeping the whole law and i've already made it clear that if you're going to try to do that you got to go back and keep it all and even the people that are trying to make this point to you they're not even keeping everything in the law um we just have this tendency to pick and choose. And Jesus, he even addressed something like this with the Pharisees. Uh, this is Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. He said, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you are careful. how I mean, you know, it's not good if Jesus, the Son of God, calls you a hypocrite. All right? <laughs> it's not like you don't want to be on that list. Um, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. In other words, Jesus was even saying, like, you're you're all about this, but you're leaving all this out. And this is even, like, this is important over here as well. These things are important, but you just have a tendency to leave that out, and you're trying, like, you're so, you make sure you do all this, but you but you don't do any of this over here. And it all goes together. It's all a part of, you know, God's instruction or God's word to us, so. Anyways, and then the last, uh, the last four or five verses, I'll let you read those. We'll talk about them for just a moment.
1: Verse 14, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. I was telling Gabriel as we were reading this, I said, I can't help. May I never boast in anything except the blood of Jesus Christ. May I not forget the body he shed. I, how often we forget. And I don't think, you know, even myself, I mean, I was raised in church since I was little. I could tell you Jesus died on the cross. But then we get going in our day. May we not forget the blood he shed, the cross that he was crucified on but he tells us that my interest in this world has been crucified. And I'm curious today if your interest in this world has been crucified today. My interest in this world and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. And you know, Galatians as we've as we've read this, as we've studied this, the whole I I really believe that the whole point of this book, Paul's reminding us that we're transformed by the word of God. We're transformed by our relationship with God. So he tells us, May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As we think about verse 14, what does it mean to even boast in the cross? And the reality is we all boast. We all do, we all do it, but boasting at its core, it's, um, it's really, if you look up the definition, it really, in, in my opinion, it comes back to identity. And what or who do we look to to validate us? to strengthen us, to make us confident? Do we boast in our own abilities? Do we boast in how talented we are? Do we boast in the cross? And and I don't know about you, but I know at times, um, if I'm being honest, I'm kind of talking to the Lord. And I'm like, did you not see? <laughs> did you? I mean, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and, and now I'm walking through this. But but he reminds us, and, and that's me and my pride, saying, I don't feel like I deserve that. I've done this and I've done that and definitely not lived a perfect life. But his word, once again, as Gabriel was reminding us how we like to pick and choose, then he lovingly reminds me of that he warns us of, of the suffering and the hardships that we would face. And even, even Paul tells us that the, he even said here, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus that we will bear scars, but but He gives us the strength. But that we learn to only boast about Him, and what He's done, and recognize that that the life that we have, um, it's not that even my interest in this world. It's not that you can't have good things, but I'm not hung up on these things. I'm not I'm not held by these things. I am I'm held by his love. I'm held by his grace. I am focused and fixed upon him.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had that you're like me and you've had that moment where Amanda was sharing, where you're like, Lord, did you not do you not see everything that I'm doing? And then the Lord's like, I love you, but your righteousness is as filthy rags. <laughs> like, there's not anything that you can do to get me to love you more or to, you know. To, to do anything else for you, like, I love you unconditionally, I don't love you any less, I don't love you any more, and I'm at work behind the scenes, and we don't always understand all that God is doing, um, look at just some of these verses, we're talking about boasting, and Amanda mentioned it, how we all boast, um, we all have a tendency to boast about something, we just have to be intentional that we we take the boasting off of ourselves and that we only boast in the fact that, man, I'm just, like, I would be nothing if it wasn't for Jesus. I would, be n- I would be lost forever if it had not been for, you know, the blood of Jesus. Had it not been for God sending his son, you know, what we're going to celebrate next weekend uh, specifically. Had it not been for that, I mean, who am I? It's what Jesus did for me that even allows me to do what he's called me to do. So Philippians 3.3 says, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. We put no confidence in human effort. 1 Corinthians one thirty one. Therefore, as the Scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10.17, As the Scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. I think Paul's trying to make a point. Jeremiah nine twenty three and 24, even going back to the Old Testament, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things I, the Lord, have spoken.
1: And you know, really, um, and I'm gonna explain why, but it's actually translated the word boasting. It, it, when we boast, we're actually seeking the applause. And in our culture today, it's, it's amazing to me how busy has become something we really boast about. I was busy. But the question was, you, were you busy doing what God asked you to do? You know, or were you busy seeking to do things for the Lord?
0: or were you fruitful (laughs) because we can be busy and not fruitful yeah you know jesus said apart from me like i'm the vine you're the branches apart from me you can do nothing and a lot of times we feel like no we're doing a lot and jesus would say no you're really doing nothing if it's apart from me that's right because apart from me you can do nothing you know like what you're doing is it having eternal impact are you really like are you really living in the purpose that god has for you are you connected Jesus because that's that's where we can we can step into what it is that God's called us to do and apart from him he says you really you, you can't you can't do anything right. apart from me so
1: Romans 2:29 no a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law rather it is a change of heart produced by the spirit and a person with a changed heart, Seeks praise from God, not from people. I don't know about you, but man, when I was reading that this last week, I'm like, all right, all right, I hear you. Because how often we can get busy doing it, looking for some applause or acceptance or something from people. From people, But the word praise here in verse 29, it can also be translated as applause. Boasting in anything except the cross is, in essence, seeking praise and applause from people. But boasting in the cross is to truly seek praise and applause from God. And this takes us back to the first chapter in Galatians, uh, in chapter 1, verse 10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And, and I know that, I know for myself, I, I was, we were having a conversation, and, and as I evaluated, I realized, like, it's so, we can be, I, I can be going along the way. I'm, I'm pleasing you, Lord. I'm doing this for you, Lord, and quickly get off. And when I think about what I've been thinking about, it's what people think. It's, I, I want to do the, like, I don't want it to appear wrong, we're, we're called to live as pleasers of God. Now, granted, we want to abstain from all appearances of evil. The word tells us that. It's not what I'm getting at. But that's not our, we're not focused on, well, what does man think? Well, does this look right? Well, does this fit? Rather, we say, what do you want? What do you want? What glorifies you? Ruth Simmons Simons made this statement, I can't think about God's pleasure and provision through the way he made me, I can't think about his pleasure and provision through the way he made me when I'm more focused on what others think of me. We can't long for the approval of God and others at the same time. One always eclipses the other, cuts the other off. Our goal should not be for the applause of people. Our goal should always be for the applause of God. Paul sets an example for us when he tells us that the things this world has to offer no longer matter to him. And in turn, the world doesn't care for him either. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I get bothered when the world doesn't care for me. When, when someone has something to say, but yet, am I here to please God or am I here to please man? And I, I just think that some of us, we need to declare to the truth today in faith, this is my goal that the world no longer has any claim on me. I am focused on being a pleaser of God. The world is crucified to me, and I am crucified to the world. Donald Guthr- Guthrie said, The natural world has ceased to have any claim on you. 1 John 2 15 through 17, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. And I think. We're being told this because already knowing it's going to be easy to love the world, the things of this world that it has to offer. For when we love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is... It's fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever.
0: Yeah, I'll bring the worship team back as we wrap this up. Um, I love that Paul made this statement. Uh, if we go back here in the last few verses we were talking about and we were reading, um, he says, It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. And what really matters is whether or not when you, when you look at your life, have you been transformed? Our word for the year is transformed. And, and Paul says the, the things on the outside, you trying to be right with God or stay right with God, that, that is not what really matters. Have you been changed? Has your heart been changed? Have you been transformed into a new creation? And then Paul ends Galatians 6, and Amanda mentioned it a minute ago, by letting everyone know that the proof that he belongs to Jesus can be found in the scars on his body, and I, as I read that, and we'll end with this and one final verse, and then we'll sing together. But as I read that, um, I was thinking about Paul says, and these scars I have on my body—they prove that I belong to Jesus. And I thought there might be some of us we don't have physical scars where we've been beaten because we belong to Jesus, but maybe there are some emotional scars. Maybe there are some scar like some mental scars that you would say. You know, because I took a stand in that, in, in that time, there's almost like a scar there. But that scar proves that I belong to Jesus because I was going to stand for what he was about over, you know, trying to please people or over just going with the flow. And so we may not have physical scars on the outside of our body like Paul was writing about, but sometimes we have emotional scars and mental scars and, and scars on the inside. And I would challenge you to even look at, look at those scars in a different light. And say, you know what, that was a, that was a time when I was, when I was serving God. That was a time when I was about the things of God. And, and even though, you know, I've lost my interest in the world and the interest is lost, you know, or the world's lost its interest in me. And I may have some scars as, as I go to work and as I'm trying to be a light in my workplace. And people are giving me a hard time and it's causing emotional scars. And people are, are you know, coming against me and it's causing mental scars and all of these things that are, that are going on. To look at those scars and be able to say, like Paul said, and these scars are the proof that I belong to Jesus. And here's, the, and here's what I want to end with, that we have these scars, but our hope is ultimately in this, John sixteen thirty three. most of us, we know this verse, I've told you all this, Jesus is saying this, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Take heart, in, in this world you're going to have problems, and there might be some emotional scars, some, some, you know, mental scars, these different types of scars, but you can take heart because Jesus has already overcome the world. Will you stand to your feet today? We want to take a moment and we want to pray for you. And then we're going to sing this final song and be dismissed today. But um, I love, I, I mentioned it a few weeks ago that, you know, really in essence, what Galatians, anything you read, if you look up some kind of Bible reading plan or anything like that, a lot of what you see is freedom, that there's freedom and that you're, you're not free to just do whatever you want. Now we're free to, we're free to live for God. And, he's, and, and all throughout Galatians, Paul's making this point that it's not about you trying to do the things to be right with God. Like, because you placed your faith in Him, now you can do the things. Right? You know, like, I've been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And don't live according to the flesh. Live according to the Spirit, because this is what you're going to get if you live according to your sinful nature. But this is what you're going to get if you live according to the Spirit, and you let the Spirit produce these things in you. And then he wraps all this up, saying, "You know, I, I just love that phrase. Like, may I never boast in anything except the cross of Christ. In other words, I'm not going to make it about me. It's all about Jesus. I'm not going to make anything about me. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So, will you, will you pray for us and just kind of end this Galatians series with the word of prayer? And and then we're going to sing this song. And I would encourage you, as the prayer team comes, that if you need prayer for anything in your life, as soon as the worship team begins to sing, just slip out of your seat and and slip out of that, that, that row that you're in and come let somebody pray for you. And we would love to pray for you, but will you pray for everyone and we'll just kind of end in this way.
1: I want to encourage you real quick just to even as I pray or after I pray whatever that ask him, is there something I've let have claim on me more than I should? Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's how much you produce. Maybe it's, I don't know. But ask Him, have I let something have more claim on me? May I only let you have claim on me? May I not let anything, the things of this world, have any claim on me? May we only boast in the cross of Christ. May we only boast because of Him we live, (laughs) we have freedom. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray, Lord, in your, in your loving, long-suffering, that, God, that you tenderly lead us, even when we get off and allow other things of this world to have claim on us. God, I pray, Lord, that you just reveal if there is anything within us that we've allowed to have claim on us, whether it be people-pleasing, whether it be success, whether it be money, whether it be whatever it is. God, I pray, Lord, that you reveal, Father, and that we take the steps so that we can heal. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your kindness, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. That even when the scars of life may come, even when sorrows may come, even when heartache is here, Father, I thank you, Father, that, God, that you are still good even when life isn't. We thank you that even today, Father, may we walk out of here, Lord, not, not doing good things to earn your approval, Father, but, or, or to earn anything, because we don't have to earn your love, Father. We have that already, Father. But I pray, Lord, that as we walk in your love, Lord, that we will show your love to others through kindness, through sharing in each other's burdens, Father. Father. God, I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in here that does not know you, God, that may be hurting today, Lord, that, God, that you will just draw near, that you will wrap your arms around them. God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.